I'm delighted to welcome today Al Williamson, who is a voiceover artist and retired police officer. Welcome, Al. Uh, hi, lovely to uh, be here, Elaine. Thanks very much. Marvellous. Second police officer, retired police officer that I've spoken to um, in, in the last month, which is which is wonderful. As a former police person myself, it's always nice to uh, sort of touch base, as it were. My, my dad was a police inspector and they wouldn't have me in the police, so... Uh, they shoved me in the specials or asked me to volunteer for the specials uh, yeah. where I was. Um, I'm going back now to the late 70s, so a long, long time ago uh, before I was grey. So uh, welcome, Al, and your lovely voice. So I'm just going to ask a few questions and you can wibble on all day while I just listen to your beautiful voice. That's fantastic. It may be a bit croaky this time of the day, but we'll see what we get. Have you been doing lots of voiceover things? Uh, done some done some stuff this morning um, uh, and, a, and another sort of interview um, not long ago as well. And the voice does get tired for me during the course of the day still. I'm, yeah. I'm at my best in the mornings, definitely. Okay, fine. Okay, okay. Well, you sound perfectly uh, lovely to me. Fantastic. So, voiceover. I mean, it's, I, I hear so many. I, I know quite a lot of voiceover people. And yeah. the range is quite diverse in, in, in the types of work they do and, and obviously their types of voices as well. So what type of work do you enjoy doing most, Al? Well, I, I think I, I've come to voiceover quite late, having had a, a career as a police officer. Um, it's something I always quite fancied a long time back, but it was very difficult. Um, then you had to go to London and do um, the recording studios in Soho and everything. And it was it was logistically quite difficult. Um, but things have obviously changed now and it's much easier to do. But, um, the most wonderful thing about um, being a voiceover artist is exactly what you've just asked me. What is the bit that you like best? And the bit that I like best is I get up in the morning and I literally don't know what I'm going to do. So I could be doing a very dry medical explainer, which I've got to spend hours working out how to say particular medical terms. I could be doing a very emotive charity piece uh, um, about water shortages, lots and lots of climate control stuff at the minute, and slightly emotive and emotional. <clears throat> I could be doing some very um, direct corporate uh, messages. Uh, I could be doing a what I call a silly bang, you know, an yes. advert which is quite today only yes. type sort of thing, <laughs> or. I could be pretending to be a pirate for a gaming thing. So the thing I love most about it is I get up in the morning and I literally don't know which voice I'm going to use for what job or what audition that I'm going to be doing that day, um, which is just great fun, particularly when compared to where I came from, where everything was sort of quite intense and quite full on. This is um, not quite spur of the moment, but every day is very different for very different reasons. If you don't know what you're going to be doing when you wake up, does that mean that you get fed work through various different channels and you don't know what they're going to be until they arrive at the, on your desktop? Yes. So uh, I'm guessing, I guess there's there's sort of three, maybe four different channels that work comes to me. Um, one is by reference, somebody referencing a piece of work straight to me, um, which is I would normally have a little bit more um noticed about that and 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 have had some thought processes uh i do have um an agent now so uh you can get work coming straight from the agent and um, that will be auditioning as well oh, this is very bad but i'm gonna have to have a little cough <clears throat> so i might get auditions coming through uh, to turn around from my agent the biggest source of my work is via um 
websites. So uh, websites that are effectively taking the place of the agent. So people will pay to put an advert for a voiceover on a website. I pay to look at those adverts. I record on their website um, the auditions uh, and you get shortlisted and hopefully get some of the jobs back back to you. Uh, and the, the the last way really is, and the best and most satisfying one is when a previous client comes back to you and wants you to do some more work really, which is um, happening more and more for me now. So that's really good. Brilliant, brilliant. So how long have you been doing this uh, new career, Al? I'd say, uh, well, I'd say, uh, I know, I think probably about three and a half years since I decided I was going to have a go at it. I thought about it maybe 20 years ago. Um, three and a half years, something like that. Um, the first year of that, um, sort of pre-COVID, uh, was very much finding my feet, getting some equipment, finding out what it was all about. Because like most things in life, it's not quite as straightforward as you think it's going to be. You actually do need to put a bit of time and effort in. Um, so probably put in a good year just understanding some of the processes. Very steep learning curve, not just with the reading and interpretation of scripts, but um, the technology, because as I said, everything's done digitally now. I've got my own uh, studio here at home, um, hopefully filled with quite good kit. I've had to build that up over a period of time and learn, hopefully, how to use it. Um, so three and a half years, probably two years, where I've sort of said, you know, I am properly a voiceover artist, though I do do other things as well. But, yeah. So um, retired police officer, so did you serve your full work there or did you leave early to do this? How, how did, no, you, how no, did the transition no. work? Yeah, no, I did in total 32 years um, with the police, 30 as a, uh, an officer and then another two as a, a civilian. Um, yeah, joined joined as a boy of 19. So did my full whack, um, had a wonderful, wonderful career. Uh, I was lucky enough to become a detective fairly um, early on in my uh, career. So um, the majority uh, of my career was spent as a detective and then also on specialist specialist squads, um, which I was very privileged to be able to work on. Um, I had wonderful experiences, wonderful life experiences, some awful stuff, as anybody yourself and your father would know. In, you know, policing can be quite grim. We, we see the bits of life that um, hopefully lots of people don't have to see. Um, but all... Um, life experience so uh, as with any police officer we get a lot of other people's lives thrown into ours mm. yeah. and that can be very stressful can't it it's um uh, and it takes a toll on the health so how, how was your health particularly in the latter years yeah i think um so yes you're absolutely right it does take a toll um both with the stress uh of what you're doing and, and how you who you're having to deal with and the situations that you're having to deal with um, but it's it can also be quite an all-consuming job. And where I was working on specialist squads, um, where we were do, we were doing all the sexy stuff, and it was it was all quite um, a tight, um, uh, secretive environment. Um, the job can take over, um, and I don't know whether I let it take over or or it's just what happens. But. Um, you know, I was a police officer 24 hours a day. I was on call in my mind at least 24 hours a day. Whether I was on holiday with my children, um, 
or I was uh, home alone, I was on duty 24 hours a day with telephones out in front of me, three or four mobile phones at any one time. Um, and that lifestyle of being always accountable, always um, on call, coupled with during that sort of certainly the 90s, early 2000s, there was still very much a culture of, of, of blokiness and drinking and smoking. And I was good at drinking and smoking. I've got to say, I was really good at drinking and smoking. And I was good at my job as well. <clears throat> um, uh, and I had a marriage breakup, which I'm, I, I'm sure was was partly down to my um, my, my work life balance. Um, all those things start to, to to build up, and you know, and my marriage breakup probably I didn't um, realize at the time the effect that that was having on me. I know I was quite aggressive, felt a bit humiliated, lots of jealousy, but was still a blokey bloke and and the way that um police officers dealt with that sort of thing was to be blokey about it mm -hmm. and you know not explore your actual emotions um but ultimately uh, for whatever reason um in around about uh, well not around about in 2013 i had a heart attack um, and subsequently had a cardiac arrest as well so i had to be resuscitated and um, so i had the near-death experience type sort of thing and that changed things uh, quite dramatically for me and it's probably why I've ended up doing something which I think is so remote now from the police is that I didn't wake up after my uh, uh, heart attack and think oh my goodness how's work getting on mm -hmm. I thought oh my god where are my daughters you know how am I going to tell them about this so it was a that was a, a very sobering experience for a number of reasons um and changed things for me um hugely both uh, well not both but in my career in my blokiness and in my family uh, family life and everything um yeah so was quite poorly for quite a while, a while afterwards actually I was off work i think for probably something like six six months went back to work work were brilliant the police were absolutely superb I couldn't do the job I was doing before. I had to do something slightly different. Um, but it was never the same for me again. It was never the same for me again. And I went from being probably quite an arrogant uh, bloke who considered him to be expert in his field and was a bit of a someone and who had the boss's ear and all the rest of it to, in my mind, becoming poor old Al, a bit of a grey gray man sat in the corner doing shuffling his papers about. Um, and I've got to say, I think I struggled with it. I struggled with it for a couple of years. I retired from being a police officer. Um, they wanted me back as a, a civilian and I, I got promoted as a civilian as well, working for, for, for the organization, but never really uh, enjoyed the work, got increasingly um, frustrated, probably aggressive, um, to the point where I very, very quickly made the decision without any plan at all. That's it. I've had enough. I, I'm, I've got to do, I've got to, I've seriously got to do something to change uh, the way this is going. Because I think 32 years is, is a long time in any organization. Um, but things have changed quite dramatically for me. So very quickly in the, in the space of a couple of days, made the decision that I was going to um, leave the force, which I did. 
And by that stage, I'd, I'd remarried and my uh, very lucky, my wife, uh, fantastic job. She's very supportive of me, very supportive of me and my decision making at the time. I think she knew where I was heading if I hadn't done something, but left without a plan at all, which is an interesting place to be after 32 years of knowing you've got a job and this is this, this, and I'd never, never not been employed. I went straight from, from college into, into the police, never, never not been employed. And so it was, was, was a strange, strange period of time. So how, um, you mentioned that your wife was really supportive, which is excellent because we all need support, yeah. don't we, in life, no matter who we are, what we do, Definitely. you know, and so on and so forth. And the, so I'm presuming you stopped smoking and drinking to the extent that you were, was that one of the wake up messages? I'd, yeah, I've got to watch my language and I talk about this. this. So, um, yeah, I can tell you exactly when I had my last cigarette, which was um, 20 past seven on the 4th of December, 2013, during my heart attack, wow. just to see if it made me feel any better. Yes. Turns out it didn't. Um, and when I woke up the following morning um, with the consultant nose to nose with me as I lay on the hospital bed, he did explain to me quite explicitly mm -hmm. <laughs> Um, where that had all gone wrong and um, so yeah no haven't had a cigarette since still enjoy a drink all the rest of it still eat far too much food but um go up and down my weight but i try to be as healthy as pos possible uh, and my wife certainly encourages that and keeps an eye on me hugely on the health front um but a massive support to me mentally as well through this this period of um really I went from, in my mind, being almost invincible, you know, bulletproof. I was bulletproof out. I'm a, I'm a big, you know, I'm six foot three. I'm a big guy, rugby playing and boxing, all that sort of thing, invincible to being actually quite vulnerable. And, and, it, and it, it really had a, a bit of a long-term effect on me. One that I still think about and still affects me today, but um, I'm far better equipped now than I was um, six, seven years ago um, to deal with it, um, I think. Anyway. You, you've yeah. mentioned about the blokey bloke thing. Yes. Um, I don't know t in today's society. Um, I can't remember the last time I saw a blokey bloke. Um, things have gone a bit too far the other way for my liking. Um, I think it's good to show vulnerability and so on and so forth. And that was never, ever um a thing so yeah. um yeah the, the, I, I identify with a blokey bloke but also i don't identify with what we've currently got which is too too soft i think really you know it's all very got blokey vulnerable. bloke and wokey woke <laughs> yeah yeah exactly i mean this is you know what's what's going on <laughs> the world's gone upside down from 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 where i'm sitting but uh, anyway that's, a, that's As with most things i think there's probably somewhere in the middle is is the, is the good ground isn't there yes yeah because... absolutely Certainly the um, police force I joined in the 80s would be massively inappropriate to be the police force of today. Yes. But some things don't... Oh, I'm just going to do one thing about policing, actually. Some things don't change in, in my experience of policing. And that's that, broadly speaking, the baddies don't change. Mm -hmm. So the baddies are still the same baddies that were there 20 years ago, 30 years ago, doing bad things, either through social deprivation or through guilt uh, it's not guilt sorry greed uh, or, or or whatever it is they're still doing some of them are a bit cleverer on computers 
the bad baddies have remained fairly consistent throughout my time in, in the police, whereas there's been an awful lot of change enforced on the way that we police those people. And I think the public want to feel safe and be protected. Mm. Again, I think this, you know, there's, a, there's a middle ground because when yeah. I see the police now, I don't identify with with what I grew up with, what we know, how I saw my dad. My dad went in the police in 1960. Yeah, and, different um, world. Then, different yeah. world altogether, altogether. Yeah. And um, I often... I often think to myself, what would happen? He died in 1976. Um, we ha there's actually a police funeral, and right, yeah. um, I can I can just remember it like it was yesterday. Yeah, uh, it's 46 years ago. So uh, he was 46 years old, and it was 46 because, years ago that he died. Yeah. Um, so this same age as I was when I had my heart attack as well. Ah, there we are. There you go. Policing is such a, um, an honourable. Well, it used to be a very honourable um, profession. Um, I know many retired police officers who are saying that they're glad that they've retired. The pressure, uh, the expectation, um, and so on and so forth. The accountability. Um, yeah, it's it's very it's very difficult. Um, you know, for people on the outside looking in, nobody can can make any comments, judgments without walking a mile in the shoes type thing. Mm. But um, the the propensity for police officers, doctors dentist I understand as well to go to drink as a way of coping which has knock-on effects smoking yeah. um, and again in in time gone by uh, you you have a balance you have a drink in one hand and a cigarette in the other hand and the same for women you know I, I did yeah. the same you know glass of wine in my case and, and a cigarette um, I didn't smoke very much and I was very dainty uh, with the gold tip uh, Sam Moritz menthol cigarettes <laughs> but I didn't do um, I didn't do it for very long, but it was almost like the expected thing. And it's how you how you got to um, kind of bond with people because it's a social thing. But actually, it's drinking and, and smoking is actually not that social when you think about it because of you know what happens to us. Gosh, no, it reminds me when I first um, became a detective. I think in the office that I worked in, everybody smoked everybody smoked non-stop and, and on your desk you know you had your smoking um sort of paraphernalia around you um and you used to wonder why young pcs and everything wouldn't come in the office because i mean you were hit by a, a wall of smoke free, yeah. and yeah. aggressive mm -hmm. All that testosterone. detectives <laughs> yeah yeah a, a very different difficult atmosphere to break into yeah yeah where where were you in the country policing? Where were you in London or around, around in the provinces? No, so in Hampshire and then latterly with squads, um, sort of across the southeast of, of the country, really, um, regional uh, regional squads and things like that. Yeah. Okay, my but the start of my career in Hampshire. Okay, my experience was with the Met. Oh right, yeah. It's completely unrecognisable today. So no, you know, there we are. And um, people need to bear in mind that you know the Met's a huge organisation. Um, and I don't know, it was always, it was around about 30,000 police officers at one stage. Um, I'm not sure what it is now. I mean, that's a huge organisation. So difficult to manage. And, and and policing a population of, was it seven or eight million or something in London? It's, it's just an incredible job with levels of difficulty yes. <laughs> that people outside of that just haven't got a clue um, how difficult that is. And, and yeah, I've worked a lot with the Metropolitan Police in various different um, guises. And 
Do you still have part of you still kind of in the police mentally? I think once a policeman, always a policeman in your head type sort of thing. Though, surprisingly, I think I'm less of a police officer than I thought I would be. You know, I've been out five years, whatever it is now. Um, but yes, and very, um, you know, very sympathetic to the, the problems that police officers go through. I still get, this is a, my wife would tell you, there's only a certain amount of programmes we can watch on the telly. <laughs> Yes, yeah. there's so many policing programs and so many like, like there is so many nursing dramas and hospital dramas. Yeah. Uh, I have to, um, I have to walk away. I have to walk away. <laughs> so, what advice would you give to somebody who's coming out of a prescribed life as yours was in the police, even though you were dashing here, there, and everywhere, and it was ever so exciting? You were told within reason. You know, you you knew ex. You, you you knew roughly day to day what was likely to be happening yeah you know what was going to be kicking off and you were sort of in control but you were also guided as well coming out to life totally on your own running a business how, how's that transition been for you so it's it's challenging challenging in a really good way every day's a school day across the board just in thinking about that i when i came out of the police suddenly as i did I sat down with a bit of paper and thought, right, this is my opportunity. I'm going to write a list of all the things that I can do and all the things I'd really like to do because I'd really like to earn money doing something that was almost my hobby. So I got up in the morning and thought, and I had my bit of paper. Yeah, no, I've got nothing. I've got nothing to write down. I've just done policing. I've got nothing to write down. But I started to brainstorm stuff and I was a little bit restricted because of my health condition my heart that were, and some of the things I, I thought oh, I could I could really like to do that but I got some very very good advice from uh, a fellow retired police officer who just said to me um opportunities will present themselves some of them may not be work opportunities but things will just present themselves say yes to things just say yes to things in a lucky position because you know receive a, a, a police pension and all that sort of thing and um and my wife works and very hard and all the rest of it but just say yes to things and i started to just randomly things would come up in conversation and i'd, I'd say well I, I could have a go at that sort of thing and people would tell well, you could you could do this this and i say yeah i'll give it a go mm -hmm. and did two or three little things and then um that has showed me a different side to people a different side to work taking me completely out of the police um environment and i now do my voiceover work um which makes me very happy it's it's a very satisfying thing to actually hear your voice being used by somebody uh, professionally is very satisfying and i've also got another job again something where somebody just said oh did you used to do um, clay pigeon shooting i said yeah, yeah I, I still do do clay pigeon shooting gone away got some qualifications and i also instruct as a clay pigeon um shooting instructor which is literally doing my hobby and getting paid a little bit of money no, it's, that's not a that's, that's just a couple of days here and there type sort of thing but it's absolutely fantastic because the people that come to to be um taught no, nobody's coming there wanting to have a bad time they're all coming to have a good time so i'm constantly um interacting with people who are having a good time and i get a thrill from seeing somebody else shoot clays mm -hmm. and if that's as a result of some help that i've given them along the way then that's very satisfying mm 
So my advice to anybody coming out of um, that sort of prescribed lifestyle is it's not easy because we're used to a certain amount of discipline and a certain amount of um, order and all that can, that, that's not the way the rest of the world operates. You've got to accept that. Don't be bitter and twisted about it and say yes to stuff. Great advice. Nice. Yeah, absolutely great advice. And also what you were saying about enjoying what you do, that is so, so important. Every now and then you'll get some survey come out of workplace um, statistics. Every time they're asking people what they, you know, do they like their job? 75% of the workplace don't like the work they're doing. Yeah. And that's why we have so much ill health, because if you're going to work and you're not liking what you're doing, you're putting your body in a state of stress and it's it's at a deep level and that builds up and it builds up and it builds up. And if you're some people will go to work and they'll put on a uniform, they'll put on a suit and they'll behave in a way that they think they should be behaving. Yeah, and if that's absolutely. not in alignment with who they are, that is where you get the build up, you get the the fast pace, the expectation, being somebody that you're not, and you know we 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 all know where it ends up. So um, it, when you when it's explained, it's not rocket science, is it? It's, it's bleeding. It's obvious. not, and that's exactly. If you compare the last six months of my service with the police, how I felt, to the last six months of me working as a voiceover artist and a, a shotgun yeah. instructor, it's it's chalk and cheese. If that's yes. the right. So it's yes, yeah. Polar, polar, yeah, yeah polar extent definitely so, yeah so important so that's what i talk about often you know workplace wellness is so so important and yeah. we have so many cases so many examples of police officers of people in high pressure environments that are just you know open to, to yeah. this you know the lifestyle the eating on the hoof you know this that and the other and Absolutely. so many people when i say to them you know show me t tell me what you're eating what you've they they gave the reply that you, you mentioned earlier on, you know, you think you're healthy and we think we're doing the right thing. But actually, a lot of what we're doing is prescribed again to us by social media, by, yeah. you know, takeaways, um, processed food, dairy, all of that stuff. That's, you know, it's all bad for us. So even though we think we're being healthy because we're told that this product is better than that product yeah. and so on, when you read your labels, actually it's not the case at all so no um yeah so important to enjoy what we do so what's your favorite type of voiceover project um i thought i would be um i thought i'd be good at and would enjoy doing the sort of quite straight corporate messages um and that sort of thing and i, I thought that was where my um my skills would lie um, I quite enjoy something you can get, a, so the emotive stuff that you can get a bit of emotion into. Turns out I've got a bit of a thespian in me, I think. <laughs> uh, but the stuff I really enjoy, if I'm honest, is the little uh, bits of character work, usually for, for gaming uh, uh, makers. So, um, yeah, medieval kings, wizards, pirates. Oh. Turns out I quite enjoy that. Yeah. All right. Okay. How interesting. Yeah. How interesting. I've, um, somebody I know who's a voiceover artist, he he looks like a wizard as well. And oh, he yeah. can double as Father Christmas and so yeah, on. Look, well, so yeah. He's, he's got, the competition. Yeah, he's got the part and he's got the voice and he does yeah. the characters and, and so on and so forth. I find it all fascinating. 
No, I, lo- I love it. I really enjoy that, the character stuff. But how did you actually get to be a voiceover? You said yes to, to things. and But, you know, where did the voiceover thing come so, in? So I thought about doing it, um, as I said, I think probably 15, 20 years ago, mm-hmm. largely based on people used to um, say, oh, you've got a really nice voice on the telephone. Right, they so were, that's people uh, commenting on your voice. Yeah. Um, obviously, most of them slightly disappointed when they actually saw me in person but <laughs> so uh, all for all the wrong reasons um yeah i've got i've got a nice voice I'll, I'll probably be able to make loads and loads of money doing it um and it'd be really straightforward because all i've got to do is to say say a few words um i had done a little bit of drama and stuff uh in my very early years um and i literally thought when i had the time i'd retired i thought oh i'm I was working uh, in schools and things at the time. Um, I thought I'd dip my toe in and see what um, what's happening with voiceover now because um, things must have moved on because it was the going up to Soho every day to try and even get demos done was 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 crazy um, back in those days. Very quickly found out that um, you know everybody was doing things remotely um, now then. Um, and thought, oh, I'll, I'll, I'll give this a go. Started looking into it and thinking, oh, actually, this is slightly more complicated than I thought it was. Um, there's also a wealth of stuff on the internet of different um, training schemes and, and, and advice, um, podcasts, and there's, there's um, YouTube. There's loads and loads to look at. Signed up to do a, a course um, with a company that, that, that does do training that quite well thought of couple of run by a couple of notable voice services whose voices you would recognize um and that that training is ongoing as well i, I i've i've not sat back on my laurels i hope I, I i keep topped up with my training and as i say after about a year of getting myself sorted uh, you know getting myself equipped properly understanding what voiceover actually was um yeah and i started to you know be able to say yes i am a voiceover artist i can do this and i can charge people and i know what to charge people as well now <laughs> which is a um uh, yeah running running yourself as a business is, is an interesting as i had absolutely no idea from the age of 19 a paid apartment has sorted me out you know yes. i've never had to think yeah. about anything taxes somebody does that mm-hmm. so there's a whole whole range of stuff that i had to uh, accustom myself uh, with on on just the running the business, let alone being um, a voiceover. It's all great, all still challenging, and I and I I, I still really really enjoy it. Three years, it's really good to hear. So um, when you're doing your uh, wizardry and and magic voices and what have we um, with the children, presumably they're game. Well, I'm saying children. I mean, adults play games, don't they now? You know, I, I, most of the stuff I, I've been involved in has been very uh, very much in that sort of adult Dungeons and Dragons type sort of um, gaming realm rather than uh, kid stuff. Right. Some of it quite dark, actually. Oh, okay. All right, <laughs> well, enjoy. Continue to enjoy. It's been lovely speaking with you, Al, and thank you for your guidance to uh, the listeners of uh, how to make the transition and what to look out for. And... Uh, it's okay not to be a blokey bloke. Lovely. Thank right, you for thank that, you. Elaine. And th- thank you for your time as well. 
It's All been right, good. Thank you. Take care. Bye-bye. Bye. -bye. Take, bye.